exists in life. And it's a tension that we really don't talk about very much. But I believe it's one that we should talk about a lot. And here's the tension. It's the tension between the pace of life that we try to maintain on the outside and our level of spiritual health on the inside. It's a tension. There's this tension that I want to go, 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 go as fast as I can. But sometimes our pace of life goes faster than our spiritual health can carry us. I moved to Las Vegas in 2005 and one of the hardest things for me to adjust to when I moved here was the pace of life and ministry in this city. When I first moved here, what overwhelmed me was not the size of the city, even though this is the biggest city I've ever lived in. What overwhelmed me so much when I moved here was the go, 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 24-7, produce, produce, produce type schedule here in the city of Las Vegas. Because when you combine that with my wiring, which is driven, what's next, give me the next goal, give me the next project, you have a recipe for disaster. And I've learned from experience, I can give a testimony this morning, that when you have an unhealthy pace of life and an unhealthy spiritual condition, it results in a fake, empty, joyless way of living. And there's something so critical that hangs in the balance between this tension. Our pace of life outside, our spiritual health inside. Here's what hangs in the balance. Our integrity. I love what Lance Witt said. He said, it's scary to realize that the path to external success and internal emptiness can be the same road. Here's what I want to challenge you with as we begin. When my pace of life on the outside takes priority over my spiritual health on the inside, my integrity is in danger. When I begin to operate in such a way that what's on the outside doesn't match the inside, my integrity, your integrity, is in danger. And we're going to learn from the book of Psalms this morning just how foundational our integrity is in every area of life. So if you have a Bible this morning, would you open it to the book of Psalms, chapter 15. Two weeks ago, we kicked off a journey through this incredible book of the Bible. And we have described the book of Psalms as a divinely inspired playlist of songs 
that describe every kind of human emotion and experience. For those of you who've been reading along with us, you've probably already seen it. In the book of Psalms, there is joy and celebration, and there is confusion, sorrow, and pain. Every emotion and every experience can be found here in the book of Psalms. And we've provided a tool for you, as you heard in the video earlier, that's just a website resource for you to go deeper. We've got our small group curriculum on there. We've got playlists on there. And we've got a reading plan on there. So that from now through the month of August, our entire church is reading through the book of Psalms. And let me just get this out there real quick. Because I'm sure it's probably happened for some of you. It's actually happened for me. If you miss a day, don't abort the mission. All right? <laughs> just go to the next day and keep reading and keep spending time with God through the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 15. I'm going to read the entire chapter for us, which is five verses this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these up on the screen so that you can read along with us. Here's what the Bible says. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears by his own hurt and does not change. Verse 5. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will not be shaken. Now this, this chapter of the Bible is really divided up into three very clear parts. David begins this psalm with a, with a big question. And he kind of asks it in two different ways. And then he goes from the question to the answer. And he spends the majority of this chapter answering the question that he opens up with. And then the final statement in this chapter is a promise of God to those who apply the answer. So what's the question here? What's the question that David opens up this psalm with? Well, look at verse 1. He says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent... Big question. Who may dwell on your holy hill? Now, a person during this time, when they would read those phrases or hear those phrases, they would think about something very, very specific. There was an association between the tent of the Lord or the tabernacle of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. So he's asking a question about being near to God's presence. Listen to the way that Andy Stanley unpacks it in writing about Psalm chapter 15. The people of the psalmist culture knew that the term sanctuary referred to the tabernacle or tent where God resided. The holy hill was the hill in Jerusalem where the permanent temple was eventually built. 
To have access to these places was to have access to God. The Israelites of the day thought of God as dwelling in the Ark of the Covenant inside the tabernacle. In their way of thinking, wherever the Ark was, that's where God was. The closer you were to the Ark and the tent, the closer you were to God. Now that's different than living on this side of the cross. But we have to think contextually here. When these people thought about the tent, when they thought about the tabernacle, they thought about the presence of God. So let's think about these questions with that in mind. David here is wrestling with the reality of being near to God. He's he's in essence asking, who can know God the best? Who can experience more of him? He's asking, how do I walk closer to the presence of God? Here's the question he's asking. Who can experience deep fellowship with God? And then he moves on to answer that question with five words. He who walks with integrity. He opens verse 1 with this big question. Who can experience deep fellowship with God? How do I know him more? How do I experience more of God? The answer is walk with integrity. That's the answer. This word integrity is a powerful word. It's a word that means complete. It means sameness. It means without blemish. And there's a powerful picture in the Old Testament to really communicate to us what this word integrity means. When an Israelite wanted to bring a burnt offering to God, they would go to their flock and get a fine, full-grown ram. The best in the flock. One of the the prize-winning rams. And he would get, go up to the ram and he would feel all over the ram and look all over the ram's body searching for a blemish. And if the Israelite couldn't find any blemish on the ram, he would take the ram to the priest. And the priest would do the exact same thing. He would feel all over the ram. He would look all over the ram searching for some type of blemish. And if he found no blemish on the outside, then he would kill the ram open him up, and begin to do the same thing on the inside. He would look at the inside of the ram looking for any type of blemish. And if on the outside of the ram there was no blemish, and if on the inside of the ram there was no blemish, that priest would say, this ram has integrity. It means sameness. It means to be righteous on the outside, And to be righteous on the inside. Here's the point. Integrity implies that there is sameness between who I am inwardly and what I do outwardly. That's the Old Testament picture of integrity. And then he goes on. He says, he who walks with integrity. And then he gives us an outward expression and an inward expression. 
He says, and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. You see, a person with integrity speaks truth inwardly, but also lives truth outwardly. There's a sameness. I'm not one person on the outside and a different person on the inside. The word integrity means complete. It means without blemish. It means sameness. So the opposite of integrity is a lack of integrity, which means there's not a sameness between the outside and the inside. There's a gap between the outside and the inside. A lot of us struggle with that, that we're portraying something outwardly that we're really not inwardly. Rick Warren said this, the opposite of integrity is compartmentalizing your life. The word integrity means a unit of one. It means you don't splice, you don't slice and dice your life like pieces of a pie. Integrity means all parts of your life are integrated together. You act the same no matter where you go. You don't act one way at work, another way at church, and another way at your friends. Integrity is being truthful in every area of your life. So I want to ask you an evaluation question as we try to really understand this principle of integrity. I want to ask it to you in two different ways. Here's an evaluation question. Don't answer out loud. Don't look at the person beside you to blame them. But think about these questions. Are you pretending to be something on the outside that you are not on the inside? As you think about your life, are you portraying something on the outside that is really not true of you on the inside? Here's another way to think about that. Are you telling yourself you are something on the inside that you are not on the outside? That's challenging. But if we're going to embrace this principle from Psalm 15 about integrity, we have to be honest about those questions. Ed Stetzer said, words are cheap. Integrity is when words and deeds align. So that's the question that David opens up this chapter with, and that's the answer he gives. Who can walk in deep, close fellowship with God? Those who walk with integrity. And then he begins to describe some characteristics about a person with integrity. And so what I want to do to unpack that this morning is I want to give you four defining statements about a person with integrity. Four defining statements this morning about a person with integrity. And I want you to know this. As we define integrity this morning and look at these characteristics, our basis is the Word of God. It's not opinion. It's not what somebody told us. It's not what we've gathered from experience. The basis for what we're going to share this morning is the Word of God. The same way that David defined integrity in Psalm 15 is the way that we're going to define integrity today. Here's a statement from Danny Aiken that is so powerful, but 
is so important for us to realize as we look at these words. Here's what he said. Without the anchor of Scripture, what one generation finds wrong, the next will tolerate. The next will accept, and the next will affirm. So know this. As we unpack these four defining statements, our basis for integrity this morning isn't an opinion or a preacher. It is the everlasting word of God. So here's the first characteristic, the first statement that we pull out of what David wrote in Psalm 15. A person with integrity finds no joy in hurting others. A person with integrity finds no joy in hurting others. One of the greatest measures of our integrity is seen in the way that we treat other people. Specifically those people who are not ready or able to do anything for us in return. And a person with integrity is not driven or joyful when they play a role in hurting others. And in verse 3, we really have three warnings about ways that you and I can hurt other people. And I want to unpack those for us this morning. Here's the first warning. It's in the first part of the verse. He says, he does not slander with his tongue. Here's the warning. I can hurt others with my words. A person with integrity does not slander with his tongue, meaning he finds no joy in hurting others with his words. This is a picture of looking into someone's life so that I can find something to tear them down with. It's the idea of investigating someone's life in order to find something I can hold against them and throw in their face, to hurt them with my words. And the heart intent in doing this is to make them look bad so that I will look better. We can do this in a couple ways. And this is just being honest with you, all right? We can hurt others with our words by what we say to them and what we say about them. That's challenging. As you think about the way you are speaking to other people, and as you think about the way you're speaking about other people, are you someone who hurts others with your words? Because a person of integrity, a person who speaks truth in their heart and works righteousness, desires to edify, to build up, to encourage to, to strengthen, not to tear down. That's the first warning that David gives us as it relates to hurting other people. I can hurt others with my words. Here's a second warning. Just moving right along in the passage. He says, nor does evil to his neighbor. Here's the second warning. I can hurt others with my actions. I can hurt others with my actions. This principle speaks to the intentional action to prevent good things from happening. It means that in my in the relationships in my life, I'm trying to hinder good and produce hurt. 
He says, listen, a person with integrity doesn't do that. That what they bring into a relationship, what they bring into someone's life, what they bring into a conversation is helpful, not hurtful. There is no intent in the relationships in the life of a person of integrity that is wanting to hinder good. They want to produce good into someone else's life. We can hurt others with our actions. But not only words and actions. Lastly, the final warning. He says, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Here's the third warning. I can hurt others with my attitudes. I can hurt others with the attitudes of my heart. A person of integrity finds no pleasure in someone else's misfortune. Here's what that means. That means when you see something happen to someone else, there's never the thought of, man, I'm glad they got what they deserved. Not a person with integrity. Because there's no motive that wants to hurt others with the attitudes of your heart. It's the picture of making someone else's faults the topic of your sarcasm. And, and, and I read a statement about two months ago that really helped me evaluate this. And I want to I share it with you today so that you can best evaluate. Are there people in your life that based off your words, your actions, or your attitudes... Internally, you would like to hurt them. Here was the question. Who in your life would you secretly enjoy seeing fail? I read that on Twitter. And it hit me between the eyes like a ton of bricks. Because I had two people that came to mind for me. Two people that when I thought about. Man, I would really like to see them fail. Two people came to mind. That's wrong. That's an issue in my own heart way more than it is something that they did to me or said to me. So I'd ask you this morning. As you think about the people in your life, is there anyone that deep down in your heart, you've never said it, you've never expressed it, but in your heart you would love to see them fail? You cannot genuinely love someone when you secretly hope that they would fail. That's convicting even to say. I want you to evaluate your heart today. Because a person with integrity finds no joy in hurting others. Here's a, here's a second defining statement out of the text about a person with integrity. A person with integrity yearns for the things of God. A person with integrity has a yearning, has a longing in their heart for the things of God. Look at verse 4. He says, in whose eyes. Here's what that means. That means that this is the source of his heart. He's saying, listen, deep down inside of me, here are the things that my heart longs for. And there's really two that he mentions. The first thing he says is a reprobate is despised. A person who yearns for the things of God in his heart has a hatred for sin. 
He says a reprobate is despised. There is there's a brokenness over what sin has done inside of them, what sin has done in the lives of others, and what the Word of God says about it in general. A person of integrity yearns for the things of God, and there's a, there's a hatred, there's a passionate desire to see sin gone and out of the way. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Vance gave us just a great list of why we should take sin seriously. And I believe that same list applies to this principle. That a person who yearns for the things of God has a hatred for sin, a brokenness over sin. And I want to remind you just of some of those reasons that Pastor Vance shared with us. The first one is sin breaks my fellowship with God. Sin grieves the heart of God. Sin damages my relationships with others. Sin brings unintended consequences into my life and the life of those around me. Sin erodes my testimony for the cause of Christ. And lastly, sin paves the way that can lead future generations far from God. If you're here today as a person of integrity, there should be a yearning in you for the things of God. And with that comes a hatred for sin. Because you know sin's consequences. You know the damage that it's caused in your life and in the lives of those around you. And I would just imagine, and, and I have to bring this up talking about this topic of integrity. But all around the room, on this stage included, there's some secret sins going on. Some things that nobody knows about but you and God. Let me remind you, I've told you this before. Hidden sins are not a way for us to get away with something. They are us missing someone. Hidden sin is not us getting away with something. It is us missing someone, and his name is Jesus who's invited us into an abundant life, his very life in us being pressed out. And those who yearn for the things of God have a hatred for sin. But also, he goes on to say, he says, a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Not only in my heart, in a person of integrity, in their heart is a hatred for sin, but in their heart, there will be a hunger for the godliness in others. A person of integrity, when they see righteousness, when they see the life of Jesus in someone else, they're attracted to it. They long for it. They don't praise the person. They praise Christ in the person. I'm sure there have been people in your life, I know there have been in my life, who I've just seen them. Worshiping or serving or leading in some capacity. And I've wanted to spend time with them because I wanted to learn from their walk with God. And when a person yearns for righteousness, you see godliness in others and you're attracted to it. Because you want that righteousness to also be true in your life. That's the very heart longing of a person who has integrity couple more, then we'll be finished this morning. Number three, the third defining statement. A person with integrity keeps their promises 
no matter the cost. Look at the last part of verse 4. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Having integrity means that speaking the truth is the consistent pattern of your life. When you make a promise, you keep it. When you make a mistake, you own up to it. Even if it means you are inconvenienced or uncomfortable, a person with integrity keeps their promises. At work, at home, at school, in every area of life, a person who has integrity, who has a sameness on the inside and the outside, keeps their promises. And the last statement here is the first part of verse 5. Here's the statement. A person with integrity does not use others for personal gain. Look at the first part of verse 5. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He, he's addressing those who seek to take advantage of other people regardless of the consequences for that other person. And he uses an example of money. Now, he's not saying here that to take a loan or give a loan is wrong. There's ways to do that. He's just saying those who have integrity do it in the right way according to the parameters set in Scripture. It's not done in order to take advantage of other people so that I can benefit from it. That's a defining statement of a person who has integrity. And then he closes this chapter with a promise. He starts by saying, who can be near to God? Who can walk in the closest fellowship with God possible? And he answers by saying a person with integrity. And then he gives us this list of all the characteristics of integrity leading up to this promise, which is so powerful. He who does these things will never be shaken. What a promise from God. That he who, who does these things, who works righteousness on the outside, speaks truth on the inside, is a person of integrity. They will never be shaken. Now, I want to unpack that by just giving you three simple words that I believe are encompassed in this reality, this promise that those who walk with integrity will never be shaken. Here's the first word. Nearness. The Bible says that when you and I walk in such a way that honors God, we'll experience a relationship with Him at a deeper level than we could otherwise. The Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a nearness in our relationship with God that we can experience when we walk in integrity. Nearness. Second word, protection. Protection. God says, I will, I will guard you as a shield when you walk in my law and my commandments. He says, you're not going to have to face the elements on your own. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. 
protection. Third word, blessing. Blessing. When I'm walking in integrity, and there are some things in my life that I don't know how to handle, I don't have to rely on my resources. I'm relying on God's resources because I'm walking in such a way that he's called me to walk. We will never be shaken because of the nearness of God, the protection of God, and the blessing of God. So here's a summary statement. A life of integrity invites the nearness, protection, and blessing of God into my life. As we walk with integrity, we won't be shaken because of our closeness with Him, our protection by Him, and our blessings from Him. That's powerful. What a promise from Scripture. Several years ago, I was uh, at an event that I was actually kind of the one who was putting it on. And the speaker was up at the front, and he was actually talking about integrity. And, man, he was just sharing some great truth. And I remember sitting in the back, and um, his name was John. And I was like, yeah, man, John, you tell them. They need to hear this. You, you lay it on those sinners. They don't, they don't even know. Just, just preach, man. And he got to the end of his sermon And he said, here's what I'd like to do. I would like for us to have a time of response. And he said, I don't know what we've talked about today is heavy. But there's no doubt in my mind that there are some of you here today. And there's some areas of your life that you're not being honest about. You're wearing a mask before people. You're not being honest with God about some of the things in your life. And because of that, your relationship with God is not all that it needs to be. And he said this. He goes, so I want to ask every person who's seated. I want to ask all of the leaders. I want to ask you if you're a pastor here. And I was like, say what? (laughs) He goes, I just want you to bow your head where you are. And I want to ask you a couple questions. He asked me two. He asked two questions. And when he asked me these questions, they drove right through my heart. He said, are you being honest with yourself about everything in your life? And I wasn't. There were some things that I was just kidding myself. Some sins I had written off to say, well, you know, that's not really that big of a deal. Or that's not really impacting that many of my relationships. Or because I've been walking with Jesus for a while, I can handle it. I wasn't being honest with myself. And then he said, second question. Are you being honest with God about everything in your life? Once again, stake through the heart because I wasn't. I was, I was, my time with God was being affected because I knew if I was alone with him for long enough, these things were going to surface and I just didn't want to deal with them. And he said to that room, he said it straight to me. He said, I want to challenge you today to be honest with yourself to be honest with God and then respond accordingly. So this morning, guess what I want to ask you? I want to ask you two questions and then we're going to have some time to respond. Are you being honest with yourself in the area of integrity? 
Are you speaking truth in your heart? Are there some things you've just been ignoring and pushing to the side that today you know you need to deal with it because it's affecting everything else in your life? Could today be a day for you that before you leave this campus, maybe for the first time, you're honest with yourself about some of the things that are going on in your life? Are you being honest with God about everything in your life? Have you gone before him to say, Lord, I need grace here because I'm struggling. Lord, I need wisdom here because I don't know what to do. Lord, I need healing here because I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm confused, and I don't know how to move forward. I want to challenge you today. As we seek to be individuals and a church of sameness, of integrity, without blemish, that works righteousness on the outside and speaks truth on the inside. Today, I want to challenge you to be honest with yourself, to be honest before God, and to respond accordingly.